House Democrats will vote to impeach the president today, again, with just one week left before his term expires. And I, for one, am almost happy that the vote is happening, not because the president should be impeached, but because it's exposing which Republicans are wise, which Republicans are stupid, and which Republicans are downright frauds. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday comes from Misanthropic Perspective, who reminds us of a quote by Dante Alighieri, which is that there is no greater sorrow than to recall in misery the times that were happy. I think, I think we're all going to be thinking of that soon. We are now down to the last week of President Trump's term. After that, the clampdown is going to be absolutely brutal. And we're going to close our eyes amid the persecution and remember the funniest of the tweets. And that will give us both a little bit of joy, but also add, add to the misery to remember how happy things once were. But we can still enjoy it for a few more days. Uh, then, uh, then unfortunately, probably the, the hammer will fall. Uh, it's going to cut away all of our fun. If you want to cut away all of your unwanted stubble, you should go check out Harry's Razors. Harry's is a return to the essential quality craftsmanship at a fair price. How do they do it? Harry's team combined a simple ergonomic design with five sharp blades. They source their steel from Sweden and manufacture their blades in their world-class factory in Germany. They cut out the middleman and ship directly to you, saving you money and a trip to the store. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades so much that they have a 100% money back guarantee on harrys.com. This is the best shave I've ever had. A really, really great stuff. Very simple. Harry's has a special offer for listeners on my show. New customers can get a Harry's starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Knowles. You will get a five blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe and a travel cover, which I really appreciate because sometimes it rips up your travel case. Use the travel cover all for just three bucks. Get everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Go to harrys.com slash Knowles to claim your offer. You know how much I love Harry's best shave I ever had. Go check him out. The House Democrats want to impeach. The House Democrats have wanted to impeach since Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower and announced he was running for president. Then they tried to impeach him over the Russia hoax. Then they tried to impeach him over his taxes. Then they wanted to impeach him over Stormy Daniels. Then he want, they wanted to impeach him over what kind of eggs he had for breakfast. Now, they wanted to impeach him for a long time. They actually admitted this. Al Green, the congressman, not the musician, uh, said in 2017, we've got to impeach him because otherwise he might win re-election. So they, they had come to the conclusion they wanted to impeach him before they figured out what they would impeach him for. Finally, they tried to impeach him uh, over, what was it, Ukraine or some nonsense? I don't know, whatever. And uh, that didn't work. Now they're going to try to do it again over this Capitol Hill riot. But it's not just Democrats. There are some Republicans who want to impeach him as well. And I'd, I'd like to draw a distinction here. I think there are, it's not just two categories of Republicans on impeachment. The, you know, the terrible, awful, stupid, cynical ones who want to impeach him and the good virtuous ones who don't want to impeach him. It's actually three categories. I think there are some Republicans who want to, who sincerely think Trump should be impeached. Then I think there are some Republicans who don't think he should be impeached, but cynically want to do it because they want to keep him from running for office again. And then I think there are the Republicans 
who are the the good category who uh, realize that this is a very, very bad idea. But it's three, and you've got to kind of parse out which ones fall into which. Uh, one of the first prominent Republicans to say Trump should be impeached is Chris Christie, who was a former Trump rival in the, in the 2016 primaries. Then he was a Trump ally. Then he was a Trump rival again. He went on George Stephanopoulos' show on ABC, and he said, absolutely what Trump did is an impeachable offense. I think they're all going to have to vote their conscience and, and look at what happened. I mean, what we had was an incitement um, to riot at the United States Capitol. We had people killed. Uh, and th- to me, there's not a whole lot of question here. So, you know, so you think it was an impeachable offense for Jordan? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and you'd vote to and impeach. I think that, you know, in the. Well, that's if I think it's an impeachable offense, that's exactly what I would do, George. But I'm, I'm not in there. But you want my opinion. That's my opinion. I, I don't I think if if inciting to insurrection isn't, then I don't really know what is. So that's the charge, right? Inciting to insurrection. But as we covered on the show yesterday, does anybody seriously believe that you could play President Trump's words, look at President Trump's actions and say that he was inciting an insurrection? The the best evidence they have is that he was giving a rally on the National Mall before they all went over to the Capitol. And he said, I know a lot of people are going to march to the Capitol and we got to be strong and we got to be peaceful. So if if you say explicitly, stay peaceful, you, how, how are you going to prove that that's inciting an insurrection? You might say it was unwise. You might say he unleashed a mob, but you can't say that he was calling for an insurrection. He, his own words contradict that charge. Now, what's going on with Christie here? Maybe he sincerely believes that, or maybe he's upset that he was initially in the inner circle for Trump, and then he kind of got pushed out of the inner circle, and then he got brought in, then he's pushed out, and then who knows? There are a lot of internal politics in Trump world uh, that play into this. I mean, there's this personal connection of Chris Christie is the guy who threw Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner's father in prison for financial crimes. And then the father got pardoned. And then who knows? I assume there was some bad blood there. Uh, There there are these personal aspects as well. What about the other people? What about the other conservatives or Republicans, I should say, who are calling for this? Uh, Republican representative, John Katko, someone I've never heard of. I, I guess he's a sort of backbencher congressman. He was the first Republican to come out and say, yes, we should impeach Trump. And, you know, Democrats always seem to get some useful idiot Republican to go along with their schemes. It rarely happens the other way. Whenever Republicans want to do something, they rarely get a Democrat defector. Certainly it's very rare to get a Democrat defector who would, who would matter, who would actually change the result. But the Democrats always seem to get it for the, with the Republicans because the Republicans are not particularly unified. After John Katko came out and said, yeah, I think we should impeach. We had another one, Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, daughter of former vice president Dick Cheney. Liz Cheney says, absolutely, we should impeach. That's very frustrating. And I, I suspect these people are going to pay for that with the base in primaries. Who knows? But they got an even more prominent person. When you get a Republican with the last name Cheney, obviously that carries some weight in the party. But according to the New York Times, it's not just Catco and Cheney. Mitch McConnell is reportedly pleased as well. Now, when you say, according to the New York Times, what that means is take everything that follows with a very, very large, like boulder-sized grain of salt. But you have the New York Times reporting it. You have other people as well. You even have some conservatives reporting this. Mitch McConnell is said to be pleased 
that Trump could be convicted in the Senate. House would vote to impeach. The Senate then could vote to convict. And then President Trump would not be able to run for office ever again, any sort of office, mayor of New York, town supervisor of Palookaville, or president again in 2024. According to these reports, Mitch McConnell is pleased because it will help purge the Republican Party of Trump and Trumpism and the Trump elements. Now, is this, is this a possible, a plausible rather report? I think so. Yeah. Uh, early on, Mitch McConnell after the election said, yep, Joe Biden is the president-elect and congratulations to him. Mitch McConnell has sometimes worked with Trump, especially on the judges. Sometimes he has not worked with Trump. He is a real power broker. He's been around for a long time and he certainly represents a wing of the Republican party that Donald Trump does not represent. Fortunately though, some smarter, cooler heads seem to be prevailing within the party, namely Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw just went on Hugh Hewitt's show and was asked his opinion about impeachment. And Crenshaw, you know, Dan has, has criticized Trump when he's felt those criticisms are merited. But he said, absolutely not. This is a very, very bad idea for the country as a matter of prudence and as a matter of law. There's no reason to impeach. I do understand the precedent argument. Um, you know, impeachment, I mean, just by, by the letter of the law, can be as frivolous as you want it to be. It is, it is indeed a political process. Um, I, I, think, I think precedents are being thrown out the window left and right these days. Um, but, again, I, I just think that, the, that there, there's, two, there's two reasons here. Um, one is simply lower the temperature. The second is if you're going to accuse somebody of incitement of violence, that's a very hard legal standard to prove. Um, there's no way it could be proven in the court of law in this particular case. And, um, you know, barring that, and then again, the, the fact that we've only got 10 days left and the, the, the thing that the priority that we need to be engaging in is unifying the country, not, not escalating things further. Um, these are all pretty good reasons, I think, to not, not vote for impeachment. Thank you. Thank you. That's obviously true. Dan makes a point here that you don't hear a lot of other lawmakers making, maybe because they don't even know that this is the case. Impeachment is not simply or not merely a political process. Obviously, it's very political. You've got congressmen voting on it, and then the jury, the people who are going to vote to convict or acquit, are in the Senate. However, it's also a legal process. You need to commit a high crime or misdemeanor to be eligible for impeachment, right? There is a legal criteria. Now, how, how far do we push it toward the legal side of things? How far do we allow it to flow into the political side of things? That's a, a matter that's been up for debate for many years or centuries now. But surely there is a political criterion. And if there is a political criterion, what crime are you accusing the president of committing? I don't know. They're saying incitement to violence. Okay, well, you just, we played the clip yesterday. We've played it for several days now. He says, be peaceful. Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott has also said it's a dumb idea. Republican Joe Manchin, who's a sort of conservative-ish Democrat, has said that it's a bad idea to impeach. So it doesn't seem like there is a ton of support for impeachment. I'll give you my view. Donald Trump should not resign. The House should not impeach. The Senate should not convict. The Republican legislators who sincerely support impeachment are naive 
and imprudent. The Republican legislators who cynically support impeachment are frauds. They're obviously not conservatives. And I guess they're by definition frauds, right? They're deceiving you. This is a bad idea. No good would come of it. Even if you think Trump played some role in the Capitol Hill riot, even if you don't like the cut of his jib and you don't like his tweets, which he now can't send because some billionaire oligarchs in Silicon Valley can censor the duly elected sitting president. Even if there is nothing to be gained by the impeachment, it will only rip the country apart further. Uh, There is a lot to be lost at this very tense moment. And there is no legal basis for impeaching him. Just as a, a purely rational matter, looking at the evidence on the table, there is no reason to do it. A lot of people want to do it because it serves their political agenda. And I think we should remember those people as we work to reconfigure the Republican Party in the coming years. If you need to reconfigure your car, I would highly recommend you head over to Rock Auto. You know I love Rock Auto. Great place family owned, been been serving customers for 20 years. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? For instance, let's say hypothetically, I'm just coming up with this on the spot because I'm such a great car expert, you know. Uh, Let's say you needed a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly, you know, which uh, is used on the 2005-2010 Honda Odyssey. And it costs, I don't know, let's say $354 at the big chain store. Well, that's the kind of thing you could get at Rock Auto for $217. That's pretty good. That's a lot of money saved. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Great selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Go there right now to RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box, and then they will know that we sent you. Go to rockauto.com if you want to fix up your car or truck. Can't beat them. When I say that the Republicans who sincerely support impeachment are naive and imprudent, what I mean is they, first of all, they don't understand the legal basis of impeachment, but two, They don't understand the political climate that we're in. They think that they're going to get brownie points from the left. They think we're all playing by the same standard. We're not. They think that that Trump's role in incitement was particularly egregious. His role in quote unquote incitement is absolutely nothing compared to the role that elected Democrats and media figures played in encouraging and supporting and providing material support for the BLM riots that have been going on for a year including the vice president-elect Kamala Harris, who raised money to bail the rioters out of prison, out of jail, I suppose. I hope they go to prison. Very naive. They're playing a game where they're going to suck up to the left. And maybe they sincerely think we can all come together and sing Kumbaya. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. I think if you want to know the state of the, the two sides in American politics right now, Take a listen to MSNBC's coverage of President Trump's most recent press conference where he goes out, he's answering questions from reporters, and he's answering questions about his role in the Capitol Hill riot. What is your role in what happened at the Capitol? What is your personal responsibility? So if you read my speech, and many people have done it, and I've seen it both uh, in the papers and in the media, on television, 
Uh, it's been analyzed, and people thought that what I said was totally appropriate. And if you look at what other people have said, politicians at a high level, about the riots during the summer, the horrible riots in Portland and Seattle and various other other places. We are coming out of this now because the president has started to, uh, as he occasionally does, often does, veer away from the truth. His video that he taped on Wednesday after the riots were happening at the Capitol was not viewed widely as totally appropriate. In fact, uh, many people argued they were highly inappropriate. There is so much here. That 40-second clip could provide a true masterclass in politics from both sides from both sides, because both sides are engaging in the exact same tactics. Obviously, they have different substance. They're advocating different points of view, but they're using the exact same tactics. So you open up with classic Trump. He's being very vague, right? He says, look, a lot of people saw my speech. Okay. A lot of people talked about it. Everybody was analyzing it. A lot of people said very, very appropriate. That's what all the people were saying. It was said about my speech. That is what people were said to have said about my speech. And it's all vague. And he's not talking about anyone in particular. And he's not talking about any moment in particular. Classic Trump, right? And you say, well, that's terrible. And we need to get more specific. That we got to purge that kind of Trumpist rhetoric from our political dialogue. Then Trump brings up the BLM riots and what happens? MSNBC cuts away right away. And then the lady on MSNBC says, uh, the president is, he's lying. He's absolutely, he says that his speech was widely viewed as appropriate. It was actually widely viewed as inappropriate and everybody's talking about it. Okay. And it's been analyzed. Okay. And people are saying a lot of things. Okay. She sounds just like Trump, except from the other side. She's not pointing to specific examples. She's not pointing to the words in his text. She's not referring to the specific analysts who said it was inappropriate. It's just the same thing. The place that the, the entire segment teeters is Trump describing the Capitol Hill thing. Then he makes the crucial point. Compare this to BLM. Oh, we got to cut away. (laughs) Hold on. MSNBC was perfectly fine to cover the president's remarks before he made that point. Why did they cut away? Because it's a good point. Because it's the crucial point. Because it's the only point. If you're talking about censure or impeachment or comparing the two parties, one party, Donald Trump, whipped up his supporters in a rally and he said, be peaceful. And there was some violence for a few hours. Another party whipped up their supporters into a frenzy and said, don't be peaceful. Chris Cuomo said, protests don't need to be peaceful. Hillary Clinton said, you can't be civil with a political party that disagrees with you. Maxine Waters said, go to Republicans homes, get up in their face. You get up on them in public. All prominent Democrats just about encouraging the BLM riots and MSNBC and CNN standing in front of burning buildings saying these protests are mostly peaceful. There's, there's the point. And then the minute you bring this up, they say, that's what about <laughs> What about it? <laughs> well, what about it lady? That's why she cuts away and then engages in the exact same tactics. And these squish Republicans, Liz Cheney, how disappointing. I, I'm not, I know there are a lot of Republicans who reflexively attack the Cheney family or the, the Bushes or something. I, I don't do that. I don't reflexively attack the Cheneys. I don't know. I think I get a kick out of Dick Cheney a lot of the time. How disappointing that Liz Cheney would do something like that. It's, it's pathetic, really. 
either she's cynical here in attacking Trump, or she's incredibly naive and exercising incredibly poor judgment. Either way does not, does not speak highly of her political activities. The left is about to get very harsh on the right. It's already happening. You're going to see a very significant curtailment of the right's civil liberties. It's, it's already happening, right? You, you were told you can go out and mob for BLM and go loot Gucci stores, but you're not allowed to go to church and you're certainly not allowed to have conservative rallies. Right? That's, a, that's just one example of a double standard. Leftists are allowed to encourage violence on Twitter. The Ayatollah is allowed to encourage violence on Twitter, genocide on Twitter. But conservatives are not allowed to, I don't know, just about talk about anything. <laughs> I don't know. The rules are so opaque, we don't know. They seem to be changing every day. Certainly, it's a harsher standard, whatever that standard is. Social media is, is the clearest place for this. And, you know, it's not just Twitter. Twitter's been the harshest. Facebook kicked Trump off. YouTube kicked Trump off. Instagram kicked Trump off allegedly for inciting violence. Well, Instagram took a hit. The head of Instagram, Adam Mosseri, was asked about this. They said, are you, are you now just a big liberal company? Are you just, you know, you're going to promote liberals and you're going to attack conservatives? And he came out and made a statement. We're not neutral. No platform is neutral. We all have values and those values influence the decisions we make. We try and be apolitical, but that's increasingly difficult, particularly in the U.S., where more and more are polarized, where we are more and more polarized. There's a lot here, and he's obviously a little philosophically confused. He's, uh, but he's mostly right. He's confused, but he's mostly right, and at least he's being honest, right? He's saying, "Of course, we're not neutral. No platform can be neutral." you know, much as conservatives want to push this idea that we support free speech and we don't think that anything should be discouraged or prohibited. Uh, that's not true. That's never been true of conservatives or of anybody else. Every society has standards. We permit certain speech. We don't permit other speech. We don't permit people to be, to add, make seditious speech at various times in American history. We don't permit people to make threats. We don't permit people to use fighting words in public. We don't permit people to engage in obscenity, though now we, incur we permit that a lot more, but historically we haven't permitted that. We don't allow people to engage in fraud, generally. At various times in American history, we don't allow people to desecrate the American flag. Now it seems we encourage it, but for a lot of American history, we didn't. There are always standards, and we're sort of setting these standards. Instagram saying, yeah, well, of course we have standards. Everybody has to have standards. No platform is neutral. Then he says, we try to be apolitical which means he just doesn't understand what politics is. Politics means the stuff we do in public. That's the basic definition of politics. Politics comes from the word for the Greek city-state. It's how we all get along together in society. So as we try to be apolitical, you can't be apolitical by definition if you're a public company. I think what, he, what he's trying to get at is we try to be nonpartisan. We try to not pick the Democrats over the Republicans. But then he admits, he says, that's increasingly difficult particularly in the U.S. Well, why is it difficult? Because, because you don't like the conservatives, so that's why. And because your values that you admit that you have lead you, naturally, to form a conclusion. There's this lie of liberalism that we're all supposed to be skeptical forever. We all need to just, Bill Buckley writes about this in God and Man at Yale. 
this lie of liberalism that we're all supposed to just keep our minds perfectly open and even doubt our own views as we're engaging in action. And, and Buckley makes the point, even though many people who invoke Buckley today would disagree with this, but Buckley makes the point, skepticism is only useful in as much as it leads you to conviction. You keep your mind open, you consider lots of ideas, then you come to a conclusion. Instagram did that. Now, does that mean social media should lose its right to the special legal protections they have because they're allegedly not political, because they allegedly don't make these decisions? Good question for federal regulators and litigators to take, take stock of, especially in these waning days of the Trump administration. You know, tomorrow night, Daily Wire makes its entrance into entertainment content. So excited for this. We have been talking about doing this since the beginning of the company, since before the company started. It's going to happen tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will air a virtual premiere of our first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight, in a special episode of Backstage. The premiere will stream live over at the Daily Wire website, mobile, and streaming apps, as well as our YouTube channel. After tomorrow's event, the movie will be available exclusively to Daily Wire members. Be aware, Run, Hide, Fight is not a political film, okay? It's not going to be some propaganda movie. If that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find it here. It is intense. It is for mature audiences only. The movie follows a high school sieged by a quartet of school shooters when one young girl, 17-year-old Zoe Hull, uses her wits and survival skills to fight back. We hope you'll join us for this special event tomorrow night. That is 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at dailywire.com, Apple TV or Roku or the Daily Wire YouTube channel. Go become a member if you haven't already in anticipation of our premiere tomorrow night. We'll be right back with a lot more. The left is about to get very harsh with the right. We've been talking about this mostly in the realm of social media. We don't get to tweet, whatever, you know, we don't get to post certain things on the internet. It's going to be a lot harsher than that. Uh, you're, you're going to long for the days when your biggest problem was what you could and couldn't tweet. And we've been sounding the warning bell on this for a long time. It's going to involve the sort of commerce you're allowed to engage in. Are you allowed to call an Uber? Are you allowed to get delivery food? Are you allowed to use certain basic commercial systems? Are you allowed to, to bank? You know, you have a bank, right? You keep your money in the bank. Some conservatives keep all their money in their mattress, but most, I would say, use a bank. Well, that could come into question, not just for Joe Schmo on the street, even up to and including the duly elected sitting president. Deutsche Bank, made an announcement yesterday, said that they will not lend to Trump anymore. So President Trump has business holdings all around the world. Trump obviously had, takes out loans to grow his businesses. And one of those banks that he's worked with in the past will not lend to him. Are they not going to lend to him because he's not a worthy uh, uh, creditor or a worthy borrower rather? Is that it? Because they don't think he'll pay it back? No, I think he'll probably pay it back. He's the most famous, powerful man in the world, at least on paper. His brand has been extremely successful for decades and decades. I don't think it's that. It's because they don't like his politics. And so they're not going to lend him money. So he's not going to be permitted to 
engage in his commerce, to grow his businesses. Now you might say, well, Michael, look, that's just the beautiful, wonderful free market working. And don't you love that? Don't you want a completely unfettered free market with no regulations? I don't want that. I know that a lot of liberals seem to think this is a very powerful argument against conservatives these days, particularly when we talk about regulating tech. That's not what conservatives believe. That might be what some caricature of a libertarian from some cartoon in the 1980s believes, but that's not what conservatives believe. And it's really not what the conservative tradition has ever embraced. Putting that aside for a second though, I don't want to live in a society where people's political views are going to, particularly mainstream political views, are going to completely ostracize them from engaging in any kind of commerce. But you say, Deutsche Bank has no obligation to lend Trump money. Okay. If Trump doesn't have a right to borrow money, I guess none of us do, does Trump have a right to use banking services? Does he have the right to put his money in a bank? Do you have that right? Do you think banks should be allowed based on people's political views, mainstream political views to say, we're going to close your bank accounts, put it under the mattress. Good luck. Probably don't have a lot of FDIC insurance on that mattress, but sorry, we're not going to do business with you. I don't think so. I don't want to live in that society. That is increasingly the society that we are going to be living in. Signature bank which is a New York lender that has long catered to the Trump family, is closing two personal bank accounts in which President Trump is holding about $5.3 million. This is according to a spokesman, not for Trump, but for the bank. The bank is also calling for the president to step aside before his term officially ends on January 20th. Bad enough that hipster Rasputin over there in Silicon Valley thinks that he has the right to tell the president what he can say and what he cannot say, what he can do and what he cannot do. Now you've got a bank in New York, a New York bank saying we, we ought to be more powerful than the duly elected president. We want him to step aside and we're going to close his bank accounts. They're not just coming for Trump. I, I want to dispel this rumor, this, this absolute canard that if some other Republican had gotten the nomination in 2016, first of all, that that Republican would have won. I'm not sure of that. But even if that Republican had would have won, had, had won rather, then the left would have gone easy and the temperature would be lower and everything would be fine. There were many, many articles published in 2015 and 2016 with, with variations on this headline. Everyone's worried about Trump, but Rubio is much scarier. You're all worried about Trump, but you should be much more afraid of Ted Cruz. Mitt Romney, who's a joke, he's a liberal, milquetoast, supine, submissive squish for the liberal establishment. I, I don't know how many more adjectives I could possibly use to describe how liberal, by Republican standards, Mitt Romney is. In, in 2012, the president-elect, Joe Biden, said he wanted to put black people back in chains. In 2012, they said Mitt Romney was a homophobic assailant who would clip the hair of some gay guy in school or something. Remember that story? He's so vicious. He's such a psycho that he put his dog on the roof of the family car in a cage when he went on vacation. Remember that? Remember that 
storyline. That psycho Mitt Romney, that maniac who wanted to take his dog on vacation. Who does? I don't, I would never take a dog on vacation. He's a nice enough guy. I don't even like Mitt Romney, but he's a nice enough guy that he brings his dog on vacation. And that is evidence that he's a psycho. They would have done this to any Republican. Maybe Trump is a little funnier about it. Maybe he's a little more of a jerk about it. So he fires them up a little bit more. But in other ways, Trump is a little more liberal in his behavior and in his historical views. In his, you know, much of his career in New York, he was kind of a more liberal guy. In some ways, they liked Trump more than, remember, they said, we, we hate Trump, but you can't impeach Trump because Pence is worse. Pence is going to electrocute gays. Remember that storyline? What was that based on? Nothing. But that was the, we, oh, you got to watch out for Pence. Now, because they just turn on any Republican who's in office, is got to be the incarnation of evil. You have to say anyone who even possibly could oppose Trump is so much better, which is why they have a strange new respect for Mitt Romney or Bill Kristol, who they used to call a war criminal, or the Cheney family used to call them war criminals, or Pence used to say he was a maniac electrocuting homosexuals. It's so naive, so naive to think that it's just about Trump. It's not about Trump. They're not after Trump. They're after you. It's not just some bank in New York. Here's, uh, here's Forbes. Forbes magazine says, a truth reckoning, why we're holding those who lied for Trump accountable. This is written by Randall Lane. He's the sort of adult man who, who wears a very silly looking fedora. So it tells you a lot about him. Chief content officer and editor of Forbes. He's talking about the insurrection and the lies and the blah, 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 kind of boilerplate Democrat talking points. But then he comes to his point. He says that if any company hires President Trump's ex-press secretaries, ex-spokesmen, people like Kayleigh McEnany, people like uh, Sarah Sanders, people like Kellyanne Conway, who would speak for the president on television. If any firms hire them, Forbes will destroy those companies. Forbes will take special measures to try to destroy those companies because they want these people who worked for Trump to be unemployable. Talk about the patriarchy. He's specifically talking about all these women. He says, look, ex-press secretaries of the, at the White House, they go out and they make a lot of money. Guys like Ari Fleischer or Jay Carney and okay, that's fine, but we don't want the Trump ones to make money. We want their lives to be ruined. We want them to be completely ostracized from society. They're not just talking about Kaylee. First of all, I think 10,000 swords should leave from their scabbards to avenge even an insulting glance at Kaylee McEnany, all right? But it's not just about Kaylee. It's not just about Sarah. It's not just about Kellyanne. It's about you. The, the Forbes content, chief content officer, is coming after you. What he's, what he's really saying, the subtext of this column is, we don't want any of you people who supported Trump, any of you 75 million Nazis, irredeemable deplorables. We don't want any of you to have a job ever again. We don't want you to be able to vote ever again. We don't want you to be able to speak ever again on social media. We don't want you to have anything to do with society. You saw this from a lawyer at PBS. Your taxpayer dollars at work funding PBS, which we know is very left-wing, I don't know why we fund it. If I ever find myself in a position of uh, political authority, I will very much look forward to defunding it. 
But PBS goes out and gets caught up in a Project Veritas investigation. James O'Keefe speaking with a principal counsel at PBS who says, not only forget about what Forbes is talking about, you know, keep uh, Trump supporters from getting jobs ever again. Forget about what the banks are saying. Prevent Trump from being able to, to engage in commerce. This PBS principal counsel says, we need to go to conservatives, take their children away from them by force, obviously, and then send those children to re-education camps to make them liberal. Anyone buy the names? We might be, gosh, in this Trump era, we might be raising a generation of horrible people. Not like this guy who is just trying to take conservatives' children away from them and ship them to re-education camps, even if the Democrats win. Now you might say, oh, he's just mouthing off at a bar. Who knows? He's just talking to some undercover person. Yeah, he's, he's mouthing off at a bar in vino veritas, I guess, huh? He doesn't, he doesn't seem drunk, first of all. I don't, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even know if they're drinking. You might say, oh, come on, it's an unguarded moment. Maybe he's joking. Does he sound like he's joking to you? Shows you another bit. Talk about naivete that we're seeing from some of these Republicans who are sincerely thinking we ought to impeach Trump. <laughs> there was an argument that was made before the election. They said, look, maybe Joe Biden should win. Just bring the temperature down. I've, I heard conservative friends of mine say this, and they didn't want to do it, and they didn't vote for Biden, but they were saying, maybe if Biden wins, it'll bring the temperature down. It won't. It's going to turn the temperature up because they're going to get their revenge, and they're going to have the means to accomplish it, and they're already doing that. It's the same thing with the masks. You hear, of, I think, a very naive argument from conservatives who go along with the lockdown measures. You know, what are we now, like the 320th day to slow the spread? And they say, look... I, I like the mask. I wear the mask, not because I think it does very much of anything, but because the mask, if that allows us to get back to normal society, I'll wear it. The mask is not going to help you get back to some semblance of normal society. It's going to make things much less normal. It's not going to ease people's anxieties. It's going to ramp up their anxieties. If you go out and you don't wear the mask, like I have done for basically this whole time, except in the very limited circumstances where I have to wear a mask, like on an airplane, for instance. If you go out and you just don't wear the mask and you see a lot of other people not wearing the mask, you're going to be relatively calm. If you go out and you see everybody masked up like it's the freaking apocalypse, your anxiety is not going to be calmed. It's going to be greatly increased. The temperature is going up. Fortunately, PBS fired that guy. How many more of that guy are there at PBS? At the banks, at social media companies, at the mainstream media companies. How many more people are there? You know, the temperature has gotten so high right now that it is now politically incorrect. It, you will be ostracized 
if you accept the highest civilian honor in the United States from President Trump. Bill Belichick, who I guess is some sort of athlete person. <laughs> I know he's the Patriots guy, right? But I don't, I don't, I don't watch a ton of football. Okay. And I'm a New Yorker, so I certainly don't, don't watch the Patriots. Bill Belichick though, great American, very impressive guy. He uh, was offered the Medal of Freedom from the president. He was very excited. He's been friends with Trump for a long time. He turned it down. Here's a statement. I was recently offered the opportunity to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which I was flattered by out of respect for what the honor represents and admiration for prior recipients. Subsequently, the tragic events of last week occurred and the decision has been not to move forward with this award. Notice the, the passive voice here. Notice he's not saying I made the decision. He's saying I was pressured to, to not accept the award because the orange man is so bad, because his supporters are so bad, because there are 75 million Nazis in the United States, according to the left, that even the nation's highest civilian honor, it's too hot, can't touch it. Temperature is going up, folks, and they're coming for you. A lot of this hinges on very, very dangerous ideologies, very, very dangerous and, and stupid and false premises, but the, the premises allow the left to go very, very far. I just read, I'm sorry to say, a headline from Hillary Clinton in the Washington Post. Hillary Rodham Clinton, the former future president, quote, Trump should be impeached but that alone won't remove white supremacy from America. Huh? White supremacy? What does white supremacy have to do with anything? Hillary writes, first line, Wednesday's attack on the Capitol was the tragically predictable result of white supremacist grievances fueled by President Trump. Wait, what? I thought it was an insurrection. Like, I mean, that's, how it, I don't think it was really that either. I think it was an unruly mob. Some people though, some people there may have genuinely wanted to overthrow the government, didn't have a plan to do it, but maybe they did. Okay, I'll, I'm willing to at least entertain the insurrection word. White supremacists, where you get that? Did you see clan hoods marching up and down? No, if, if Hillary saw a clan hood at the Capitol, she would have hugged it. Because she might've thought it was her friend and mentor, Robert Byrd. White supremacist, where you get that? Because white supremacist doesn't mean anything anymore. I think at some point it meant something. It doesn't mean anything now. It just means something I don't like in the way that George Orwell explained that fascism, which once I suppose had a meaning, now just means something I don't like if you're on the left. People actually use fascist that way on the right too, which I think is kind of silly. But now on the, on the right, or on the left rather, you just hear white supremacist, white nationalist, what, that's all manner of evil, the incarnation of evil, white supremacism. And she goes on, it's a stupid op-ed, it's not, not even worth wasting our time on the air. But she says, this is the problem. The, the Capitol riot, that's just an expression. And we got rid of Trump. Okay, that's just an expression of the eternal evil here called white supremacism. If white supremacy is really the big evil, shouldn't Hillary Clinton have not run for president? Shouldn't Hillary Clinton shut her mouth? She's white and white, white supremacy is, is the evil, ultimate evil. So she should stop talking, right? Stop publishing op-eds. Is the answer to white supremacy electing an old white guy, Joe Biden? I don't, is he going to fix white supremacy? Ah, it doesn't make sense. But this is an ideology that has spread. There was a TikTok video that just went viral of some kooky liberal woman holding a little baby. She's a white woman. All, all her kids are white. She's holding a little white baby and she's got two other little white kids. And 
she instructs her children to kneel down and worship black women. Black women are the reason that Donald Trump is no longer going to be our president. All hail black women. All hail black women. You know, on Sundays, I go to the traditional Latin mass. Usually, sometimes I have to go to not Latin mass, but usually it's the traditional Latin mass, the smells and the bells, the Gregorian chant. And some people say, Michael, that's a little weird. Oh man, that's, that liturgy is pretty weird. I don't think it's even one one zillionth as strange, even to outsiders, as this liturgy of liberalism, whereby little children are made to kneel and worship black women. There are these votive candles, these sort of like, you know, very religious iconography all over the candles of Stacey Abrams. <laughs> I seriously, it's like peak liberal white woman is that sort of a candle. But this is, we can laugh about it. This is a dangerous ideology. Joe Biden's pick for the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division, very, very powerful position. Tucker Carlson broke the story the other day. Is a woman named Kristen Clark, who while at Harvard Say, uh, wrote a lot of things about kooky racial theories. She said, please use the following theories and observations to assist you in your search for truth regarding the genetic differences between blacks and whites. At the core of the human brain is the locus coeruleus, which is a black structure because it contains large amounts of neuromelanin, which are essential for its operation. Black infants sit, stand, crawl, and walk sooner than whites. Human mental processes are controlled by melanin, which gives blacks their superior physical and mental abilities. Most whites are unable to produce melanin because their pineal glands are calcified or non-functioning. This is the chemical basis for the cultural differences between blacks and whites. Melanin endows blacks with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities, something which cannot be measured based on Eurocentric standards. This is the same kooky nonsense that the actor Nick Cannon was talking about. He got in a little bit of trouble, though he didn't really lose his jobs, uh, or he didn't lose his career at least, uh, a number of months ago. He said, melanin, melanin, blackness, that is the mark of humanity and soul. Take a listen. Melanin comes with compassion. Melanin comes with soul that mm-hmm. we call it. We call it soul. We soul brothers and sisters. That's the melanin that connects us. Right. So the people that don't have it have are, are a little, and I'm, I'm going to say this carefully, <laughs> are a little less and, and, and where the term actually comes from, cause I'm bringing it all the way back around okay. to, to minister Farrakhan to where they may not have the compassion or the, the, when they were sent to the mountains of Caucasus, when they, when they didn't have the power of the sun, that was that the sun then started to deteriorate mm-hmm. them. The only way that they can act is evil. The only way they can, they, they have to rob, steal, rape, kill, and fight or flight okay. in, or, in order to survive. Exactly. So then these people who didn't have what we had, and when I say we, I speak of the mm-hmm. melanated people. Right. They had to be savages. They had to be barbaric. They had, because they're in these Nordic mountains, they're in these rough, uh, torrential environments. Mm. So they, they're acting as animals right so they're the ones that are actually closer to animals closer to animals nick cannon could lead the civil rights division at joe biden's doj he and joe biden's actual pick have the same views as we read in her harvard writings the left calls all of us nazis because nazis in common parlance are the absolute incarnation of evil 
You know, in Christianity, we have the absolute incarnation of good in Christ. In secular liberalism, modern liberalism, we have the absolute incarnation of evil. And it's just Nazis, white supremacists, whatever, skinheads. And so the left is going to call all of us that to justify doing whatever they want to us, ostracizing us from society entirely, preventing us from engaging in commerce, depriving us of civil liberties. They're going to feel good while they do it. The irony is actually white racial consciousness as measured by Pew is very, very low. It's about 15% compared to every other race, which is higher than 50%. Also, obviously, according to Pew, uh, I, I don't get into the racial identity stuff. This is, you know, I, the left is really the ones promoting identity politics. The right generally eschews it. But what the left has this special trick here, they're pushing is they decry white identity politics while at the same time they foment it, they foster it. That is the basis. That's the premise. So we can all giggle at their silly videos and stupid writings, but that is a dangerous situation. And naive Republicans should not blame the right for how ugly American politics is getting. That blame lays almost entirely with the left. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The government is searching for the people who stormed the Capitol. President Trump faces a second impeachment, and a woman who identifies as a fairy has two lovers, a troll and a leprechaun. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show.